Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Coming up, I'm going to talk to our friend Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports, fantastic NFL writer for them, uh, covers the league, and... uh, Pennsylvania Philly native and uh, covers the Eagles really closely as well. So we'll talk to him about the upcoming 2021 season and how the rest of the league is shaking out his Super Bowl prediction as well. And he's got a big interview coming up this week that you're going to be interested in. So make sure that you stick around for some details on that. Plus, I've got my 10 bold predictions on the 2021 Eagles season. That's coming up here in just a second on Eye on the Enemy as well. But first, just a reminder, folks, that as we get ready for the start of the regular season, make sure you're checking out Bleeding Green Nation. Every single day for the latest news, notes, and, uh, well, let's just say the rumors and the X's and O's and all the breakdowns and all that kind of stuff. And check out the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed every day. We've got new podcasts coming at you in waves here during the 2021 season, and you're not going to want to miss any of them. So uh, bang that subscribe button and, uh, you know, give us a, a rating and a review when you get a chance to. All right, let's jump into my 10 bold predictions for the Philadelphia Eagles season before we talk to Jeff Kerr here coming up in just a minute. Now, Here's the thing with bold predictions. They're unlikely, or at the very least, I feel like there is a reason that there's a pretty good reason to think that it might not happen. So they may not make a ton of sense at first, necessarily. I was on the 94 WIP morning show on Friday morning to uh, talk about a couple of these. And, um, you know, I, I get the fact that some of these bold predictions, you know, may not make a lot of sense at the moment, but that's why they're bold predictions. And so the first one is that I believe Gardner Minshew will make at least four starts at quarterback for the Eagles this year. Now, now I don't say that because I feel like Jalen Hurts necessarily is going to struggle to the point where the Eagles bench him. I feel like this is more a result of Jalen Hurts struggling to stay on the field, getting nicked up and banged up as a running quarterback, a guy who's not a super big quarterback. He's only six foot one. He's 222 pounds, so he's a strong kid. No doubt about the fact he's strong, but he's going to run with the football a lot. And, you know, I feel like he's going to get hurt. I, that's just kind of the way it is. Plus, it's a 17-game season, so you've got that one extra game here during the regular season that you have to account for. And so I just feel, you know, there's a better chance than not that the Eagles' backup quarterback is going to play a little bit here in 2021. And I don't believe that as the as the season rolls along that Joe Flacco will remain ahead of Gardner Minshew on the depth chart if Jalen Hurts were to be out for four to six weeks. If the Eagles know that Hurts is going to be out for four to six weeks, I believe that they would rather have Gardner Minshew under center than Joe Flacco. Gardner Minshew's a better player. Right now, it's perfectly fine for Joe Flacco to be the backup because Gardner Minshew has to learn the offense. Minshew has to get all, uh, he has to get the reps in practice. And 
I know right now Flacco's getting uh, the backup quarterback reps, but I, I feel like that could change during the course of the early part of the season. I also feel like Flacco could be a trade potential during the course of the early part of the season. I talked about this on the show last week. So in my mind, if an Eagles backup quarterback has to play four or five games, I think Minshew makes the most sense. And I think the Eagles believe that Minshew is the better player. There's a reason they went out and traded for him here. I don't know that they went out and traded for him to be the third stringer this year. They're paying Joe Flacco. Definitely. They're paying him more money than Minshew. But I, th- I if you want to win football games, I think Minshew is the better option. And if, if Jalen Hurts is going to miss some time, which I think he will, Gardner Minshew will make at least four starts at quarterback here for the Eagles in 2021. My second prediction uh, is also having to do with Jalen Hurts. And I feel like he's going to have a quarterback rating under 85. And I really do want Jalen Hurts to grab a hold of this job and prove to the Eagles front office that he is the franchise quarterback. Because I would really love to be able to use what should be three first-round picks in next year's draft at positions other than quarterback to truly bulk up this roster. But I've seen a lot of bold predictions out there claiming a 3,500-plus yard season and 30-plus combined touchdowns. And if I, if I, in my heart of hearts, I see a more up-and-down season for Jalen Hurts. And the likelihood that while I do feel like he'll have a, a number of games where he looks like a superstar, that he'll also have a number of games where he has a quarterback rating in the 70s or the 80s. And I just, I, I think those down games are going to pull his overall numbers down to the point where he'll have a QB rating under 85. And that's that's not a great quarterback rating in, in, in this day and age. And, and I don't know that it'll be enough to convince Howie Roseman to keep him as the franchise quarterback because it seems pretty obvious to me from the team's pursuit of Deshaun Watson this summer, that the front office doesn't believe Hertz is the guy. And that, as much as anything else, is why I'm kind of pumping the brakes on a Hertz breakout season here in 2021. I, I think he's going to struggle a little bit, and I just don't, I don't have the confidence that he is going to cement himself as this team's franchise quarterback. I think this team, in their mind and in their heart, has already decided that they want a different franchise quarterback. He's going to have to do a lot this season to change their minds. My third bold prediction, Milton Williams will have more sacks than Derek Barnett. Now, maybe this is me being overly optimistic and enthusiastic about the versatility of Milton Williams and how he's looked so far this summer. And I am certainly one of the low men on Derek Barnett. I think the oft-injured first-round pick has talent but has yet to put it all together, and I don't see him doing it here this year either. He has never put together the type of dominant season that we had hoped he would. And I think Williams has been impressive. I think he's going to see time at both defensive tackle and at edge rusher. Third-round pick last year is going to get an opportunity to play a little bit, especially, I think, as the season rolls along. And I think Barnett's going to miss time. So I feel like Milton Williams is a guy who could put up four or five sacks this year. Maybe more than that, but probably four or five sacks. And I just, I'm down on Barnett. I don't think he, I don't think he gets there. I think he's going to lose playing time to a lot of different players here during the course of the season. So give me Milton Williams with more sacks over Derek Barnett. See, I told you these were bold predictions. These are, these are not necessarily, you know, making a whole lot of sense, but that's why they're bold. Zach Ertz will outcatch Dallas Goddard. That is my fourth bold prediction. It was good to see Zach Ertz speak to the media this week. Uh, he had off-season ankle surgery, which uh, it certainly sounds like was hampering him. The, the ankle was ha- hampering him last year, and that might have been one of the reasons why things were, things were so tough. He says that um, 
He's resolved himself to being in Philadelphia, that the differences between the team have been mended. So it feels like his head's in the right place. And if his body and his head are both healthy and in the right place, I think he is a better player still than Dallas Goddard. I like Dallas Goddard's talent, but the guy cannot stay healthy for a full season. And he's never shown that he can be a true volume tight end in this league. So I do think their numbers will be close. But even without Ertz last year, Goddard was only able to suit up for 11 games. He caught 46 passes for 524 yards without Zach Ertz in the lineup last year. Before that, in 2019, he had 58 catches for 607 yards in 15 games. I think a healthy Ertz beats those totals. And I think Jalen, I think Jalen Hurts is going to look for a reliable root runner and pass catcher. And I think that's Zach Ertz. A healthy Zach Ertz will beat out Dallas Goddard in terms of receptions and yards here in 2021. Bold prediction number five. Listen, I'm big on the Kenny Gainwell train, guys, and I do believe he will emerge as the Eagles' top receiving running back this year. I know he got off to a slow start in camp, but he has really come on over the last few weeks, which is good news for both Jalen Hurts and Sirianni's passing attack. And of course, last year, Miles Sanders, after a eye-opening rookie season catching the ball fell off the cliff as a pass catcher he went from 50 receptions his rookie year to 28 last season and 509 receiving yards to 197 in 2020 and yeah he played in four fewer games but look at the catch percentage that also dropped significantly from 79.4 percent in his rookie year to 53.8 percent last year so Miles Miles Sanders, they're going to keep trying to work him in the screen game because he is dynamic when he has the ball in his hands. And Boston Scott will still be around. He's a pretty good player, but he only caught 25 balls for 212 yards last year. I think Kenny Gainwell is going to surpass both players in terms of a receiving threat out of the backfield and emerge as the team's best pass catcher in 2021 in terms of running backs. Bold prediction number six. I'm pumping the brakes on Quez Watkins, kids. I'm I someone's got to do it. Someone's got to pump the brakes and I just feel like I don't see him surpassing 500 yards receiving this year. I want to believe, I really really do. I don't like being a pessimist, but we get caught up in the echo chamber of hopefulness sometimes and we disappoint ourselves. And I think it I think it puts unfair expectations on the players and the coach and the quarterback sometimes when you expect these grand things and, and they're not able to deliver. You have to understand that Quez Watkins is a former is, is a sixth-round pick in his second season. How often do those types of guys emerge as true, outstanding number two wide receivers? It doesn't happen very often, and it almost never happens with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, he has looked really good this year. He absolutely has. But it is a tall order to expect a second-year, sixth-round pick to all of a sudden be a starter on this team. Now, he's, could he be a Rod Smith? Could he be Keenan McCardell? Could he be Donald Driver, Marcus Colston? Yeah, he, he could be. All those guys drafted in the sixth round or later, he could be one of those guys. But it seems to me the consensus is that it's going to happen when the odds are actually far better that it doesn't happen. Now, if they get... If they get 450 yards from Quez Watkins and the other guys, Jalen Rager and Devontae Smith, step up and Watkins is your number three, then that'll that, then that'll work. But you'd like to get a little bit more from your number three receiver than less than 500 yards receiving. I'm just I'm just saying, guys, pump the brakes a little bit on this 
because while I like the idea of Quez Watkins and he has played well, it's also not entirely fair to him to be putting 800 yards on him, 900 yards on him, which I feel like, I haven't heard anybody come out and say that, but I feel like that's where the expectations are starting to go because there's a lot of excited talk about Quez Watkins and everybody just, again, pump the brakes a little bit. Number seven, bold prediction number seven, and maybe this isn't that bold a prediction, Devontae Smith will be Offensive Rookie of the Year. It might be bold based on how I feel about Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have enough good games in order to pile up some stats for Devontae Smith. But I also feel like people are sleeping on the impact Kyle Pitts is going to have on the league this year. And I think Kyle Pitts is just as likely an offensive rookie of the year candidate as Devontae Smith. But I do believe Smith is going to have a Deshaun Jackson rookie type season in his first year in Philadelphia. I think at the end of the day, he will take home the rookie hardware. Number eight, bold prediction number eight, Miles Sanders rushes for over 1,000 yards. That might seem... The reason this is a bold prediction is because Jeffrey Lurie hates running the ball. And I don't know how much Nick Sirianni is going to want to run the ball. He's a wide receivers guy. I think he's going to want to continue passing the ball. So Miles Sanders might not get the opportunity to rush for over 1,000 yards. But it's pretty clear he's emerged as a true threat running the football, both between the tackles and outside in space. In the 12 games that he did play last year, he averaged 5.3 yards per rush and piled up 867 yards and six touchdowns. That's an improvement from 4.6 yards per attempt and 818 yards in 2019. So while he doesn't like to run the football, I feel like at a certain point, Jeffrey Lurie's just going to have to accept the fact that he's got a really good running uh, a running running back, and not that you know guy you can hand the ball off to 15, 20 times a game. And if Sanders stays healthy for a full, remember, 17-game season, I think he's a lock to go over 1,000 yards on the ground. And maybe the bold prediction is 1,200. And maybe I should have amended that to saying Miles Sanders rushes for over 1,200 yards because I think he has that kind of talent. And now in his third season in the league, he might get the opportunity to do that. We just don't know what Nick Sirianni's offense is going to do, what his play calling is going to look like. But let's stick with 1,000 yards for right now because uh, Miles Sanders hasn't done it yet. So until he does it, I guess let's continue to call it a bold prediction. Uh, Bold prediction number nine, Jake Elliott will have a 95% plus field goal accuracy. He's four for four in the preseason, gang. Um, And we all know kickers are a little erratic by their very nature. Not all of them are Adam Vinatieri and Morton Anderson. Okay, there's from year to year, some of these guys are are hot and then they're not. This is just a gut feeling that that Jake Elliott's going to have a really good season for the Eagles. And so I just picked a number. I think 95% field field goal accuracy. I think he's going to do, I think he's going to have a real good year. And then finally, my last bold prediction, Anthony Harris will lead the NFL in interceptions. Darius Slay is the team's number one corner, so opposing quarterbacks will likely find some rough sledding there more often than not when they're attacking him. Not all the time. Slay did not have a a dominant season last year, but I think quarterbacks are going to be looking in Anthony Harris's direction a lot this year. And I think he's a ball-hawking cornerback. I think it was a great pickup for them late in the offseason. I think he's going to feast on some QB mistakes this year. He's, He's... 
we haven't seen this much from Eagles cornerbacks over the last few years, but uh, as Michael Kist used to say, he doesn't have butts for hands. <laughs> he can actually make a play on the ball if it's in his vicinity. So I'm thinking around eight interceptions for Harris this year, which I think will be good enough to lead the NFL. Why not, right? Bold prediction. Anthony Harris will lead the NFL in interceptions. So those are my 10 bold predictions. You can read more about them at bleedinggreennation.com and check out everything else we got going on over there as well. Up next, I'm going to talk to Jeff Kerr, NFL writer for CBS Sports, about his predictions for the 2021 season and his thoughts on the birds as we are just a little over a week away from the start of the 2021 NFL season. That's coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, joining me as we talk about this uh, football team of ours, a little, a little, I guess we're about a little tiny bit more than a week away from the start of the regular season. The Eagles getting ready to kick off the 2021 season against the Atlanta Falcons in just a little over a week. And I'm joined by uh, Jeff Kerr from CBS, fantastic NFL writer for CBS sports. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Jeff Kerr, CBS friend of the podcast. Jeff, how are you, buddy? John, I'm doing good, man. What do we got? Six more days till Dallas and Tampa kicks off. I cannot wait. Yeah, it's been, you know, this whole preseason is a little bit weird with the cancellation of the fourth game. And you have this two weeks before, the actual season starts and really nobody was playing any of their starters in the preseason anyway. So I don't know the NFL preseason. It's just, it's just very, it's a very weird ramp up to the start of the regular season in, in, in recent years. I don't love it personally, but I get why everybody does it the way they do it. Yeah. It, it almost seems like it's a big building anticipation toward the regular season. Like you're excited to watch football, any type of football and then football happens and it's terrible football. So you're yeah. like, Okay, so when does the real football start? And right. this preseason, I watched a lot of the veteran coaches, Andy Reid, Mike Tomlin, because they actually played people. They, yeah. Patrick Mahomes played. Kyler Murray didn't want to play, and Cliff Kingsbury did want to play, and they eventually came to like a I, – I guess you could say, okay, well, we'll put you in a couple series, and that's fine. And I'll, I'll actually do a plug here. I talked to Tony Romo uh, Wednesday. I'll be talking to him again next week too, and I asked him about the preseason stuff, and Romo goes – you know, Jeff, I just kind of wanted one series, one at home and one on the road, and I was good to go. He He's not big on, like, the starters really playing that much in the preseason, but he said you got to do something to get your feet wet. So yeah. he said, it's going to be interesting to see how these younger coaches handle uh, these quarterbacks going forward. They get off the slow starts and whatnot. And in a way with the Eagles, Jalen Hurts played 10 snaps. I'm curious to see how that's going to roll into the regular season. Yeah, especially because he's not that experienced. I mean, we we think about Jalen Hurts. He he this is his first full season, and he's got a bunch of inexperienced wide receivers that he's throwing to as well. So, you know, I I just feel like there I would have liked to have seen them get a little bit more time here in the preseason. But I get it, and you know, it's kind of funny you think about it. The reason obviously is to avoid injury. If if NFL coaches were thinking this way a few years ago, the name you would never hear. And he probably, I don't know what he'd be doing with his life, but you would have never heard the name Kurt Warner probably ever in your life. Cause remember a guy like Gen- Trent green goes down in that preseason game. He's lost for the season that the team becomes Kurt Warner's. And ha- there's a lot of other stories like that out there. 
Um, you know, Trent Green probably doesn't play a snap in the preseason under the under the way things are going now. So uh, it's just it's funny to think how far we've come probably in the in the last uh, 10, 15 years. Yeah, so. it's crazy. Like the only time I really remember an Eagles quarterback not really playing in the preseason exclusively was Donovan McNabb. He was coming off ACL surgery. So right. it made sense for him not to play. Like these young quarterbacks not playing, it's kind of asinine. Like Justin Herbert didn't play a single snap in this preseason. They're like, well, we know what we got. I'm like, okay, but he played a lot in the preseason's rookie year, and I thought that led to him being rookie of the year. Now, Tua Tagovailoa played in the preseason, which is what I like, but Brian Flores kind of wanted all his players to play in the preseason just a little bit. So it's definitely interesting to see how they handle these quarterbacks. Um, even Joe Burrow played a little bit in the pre, or, or I guess he, I guess you could say he got a, a cameo appearance, I guess, yeah. you know, just kind of, again, to get his feet wet. So it's going to be interesting to see how everything kind of stacks up uh, in week one here. Like Aaron Rodgers, we know he only play in the preseason. Really yeah. Patrick Mahomes don't, but I feel right. like guys like that want to work on their game. Yeah. Uh, I, speaking of uh, Jalen Hurts, I know that uh, you have a had a one on one interview with him uh, on here on Friday as we're recording this, and uh, you're going to be uh, uh, pushing that out next week. But um, you know, now officially named the number one starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles here to start off the 2021 season. Um, uh, pretty cool to get a uh, to, to to land an interview here with uh, with Jalen Hurts as as he gets ready to kick off the campaign. I know you, I don't want you to give away too much, but you know, just what are your general impressions after talking to him? Well, I feel Eagles fans are going to love this guy even more than they already did. And I will kind of, I, I tweeted this earlier today, but I wanted to share this one question with Eagles fans. And you know, I asked him, what is it going to take for you to bring that winning culture back to Philadelphia? And it was kind of in the middle of the interview. And he smiled and said, win. And we both kind of laughed about him. Like, that is the greatest one-word answer I've ever gotten as a reporter. Like, <laughs> the guy just gets it. And, you know, we talked about a bunch of things, you know, Devonta Smith and Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager and Nick Sariani. And there was stuff he wanted to share, some stuff he didn't want to share. But overall, the guy's a really humble guy. And, you know, just from – he hears all the stuff about this football team and how mm. this team – going to be terrible and this and that and he got a message for people out there you know that it, it doesn't bother him and that it, it, that's just the gist of it but overall it was a nice 15 20 minute conversation i had with qb1 and it was exciting yeah. i mean jalen hurts is he is that dude he and how can i put it in words he the philadelphia is a blue collar city jalen hurts is a blue collar guy i think they're yeah. going to mesh him re really well yeah, I mean, I think the intangibles and the personality traits of Jalen Hurts, I have no question about the fact that he's uh, he's a locker room leader and he's he's a guy who can be the number one quarterback between the ears. It's it's a matter of the physical ability. Can can he can he do it when he's on the field? And I that's still an open question. Does he have enough talent around him to do it? And will the will the Eagles front office give him enough of a chance to do it this season? And that's that's my big thing too. They've got these two first round picks and possibly three first round picks that are going to be burning a hole in their pocket next off season. And it's kind of really a once in a lifetime opportunity to basically choose which way you want to go with a franchise quarterback. He's got to do a lot this year in order, I think, to convince the Eagles front office and Howie Roseman that he's the franchise guy. I mean, I don't think there is any secret to the fact that they were sniffing around Deshaun Watson pretty hard this, uh, this, this summer. That to me tells me that the Eagles front office doesn't fully believe in, in Jalen hurts as the franchise guy. You know, is that the sense you get as well? Yeah. It's really weird, John. Like, you know, it feels like the Ray Rhodes era in a sense, like Roddy Pete did everything he could to be the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. But every time he had a bad game, 
Ty Detmer, Bobby Hoyne. Someone was in his face. And, you know, it, it was controversy all over WIP, no matter how well Pete played. And, you know, he, he won a playoff game for this football team. Not many quarterbacks yeah. in Philadelphia can say that. Carson Wentz certainly can't say it. Ronnie B can. And, you know, it, it just feels like Jalen Hurts will always be looking over his shoulder. And, you know, what's it going to take? for this guy to prove he is going to be the franchise quarterback. Like he could have a Lamar Jackson type year, 3000 passing yards, you know, 700 rushing yards, a lot of touchdowns. They win more games than expected. And it may not even be good enough. And that's what's going to be the real shame. And I hope it doesn't come to that because if he puts up like good numbers and look, I see him honestly as like a Donovan McNabb. He's going to be inaccurate at times. He's going to look bad, but he's going to make plays with his legs. He's a very smart football player, always carries the iPad around him. He's going to do whatever he can to make sure he is a starter each and every week for this football team. He does not, he doesn't fear competition. He doesn't fear what the front office thinks of him. And I, you know, I just hope they give him all 17 games to prove he's a quarterback. Yeah. I'm not convinced he's the guy either. I, I think he's going to have an up and down season, but I, I am hoping that he is the guy because I would love to use all that draft capital to actually bulk up the roster with, with, other players you know it's a golden opportunity to really infuse the team with a ton of young talent and i don't know that i want them i, I don't want them spending all of that capital and spending all the money that you're going to need to sign a top quarterback and and you know soak up all that space on the on the cap so you know i it certainly would be in everybody's best interest if jalen hurts emerges as the franchise quarterback this year and i, I agree with you I, I hope they give him the chance to do it and one of the guys you mentioned him just a second ago that they're really going to be relying on and i he definitely flashed big this summer was surprising to everybody was quez watkins and this trio of wide receivers there there's a couple different camps i hear a lot of you know a growing chorus of people who are really excited about these three wide receivers, Smith and Rager and Watkins and how they're going to be utilized and all that. And I, I also look at three very, very inexperienced wide receivers, none of whom have ever done it at the NFL level. I'm a big Devonta Smith fan. I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to be offensive rookie of the year, but you can't just assume that's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a 100% lock and the same thing with Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager. There's a lot of question marks still with this receiving core. So what is your impression of Quez Watkins and this receiving core just in general after, after what you saw this summer? I think it, you hit the nail on the head there with experience. And, you know, this guy, he has a good repertoire with Jalen Hurts, which is good. And he's really fast. And I like what he brings to this offense. Should he be starting? I don't know. I think that's more of what the Eagles have at wide receiver or what they don't have. I am really concerned about the depth on this team. I think Devonta Smith's going to be fine. I think Rager's going to be fine. I think Watkins is going to be fine. What's behind that? Greg Ward, okay, he's steady. He's reliable. He should be on an NFL roster, but as your four, I mean, he might be starting a couple games. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, like, that's who yeah. we're going with right now. That's what – and Travis so Fulgham's back on the practice squad after, oh, and I don't know what that guy's all about. Yeah. I mean, geez. Yeah. It's one of those, I'm really concerned. And, you know, I defended Lamar Jackson on this for a lot of years. Who's Lamar Jackson throwing to in Baltimore? Everybody mm -hmm. wants to get on him as a quarterback. And I say, okay, name Lamar Jackson's top three receivers. Not a lot of people can do it. Mm -hmm. So that just kind of explains my point. Like outside of Philadelphia, like if you're a Giants fan, okay. Do you name Eagles receivers? Not the Smith, Jalen Rager. They might know the two. Outside of that, it's like, who else is there? Like, they don't know about Quez Watkins. Like, Jalen Hurst can call him the worst-kept secret all he wants, but he is still kind of a secret around the yeah. NFL. Like, no one really knows about Quez Watkins. So I feel he can surprise some people this year. I like those three. I think 
They can grow together. I just wish Eagles would have got a veteran in there somewhere. And I know there's not many on the market, but I, I was kind of hoping they trade for one. They do have two open roster spots as of this recording. So yeah. maybe they'll get someone in there. But I, I do have a Devonta Smith story I want to share with you, John. Yeah, like, yeah. So I talked to him about – it was about two or three days before the draft. I'm trying to remember. It was a pre-draft interview. I was talking to a bunch of rookies. And I asked him about Jalen Hurts. Would he like to play for him again? And he just kind of smiled and was like, you know, I would love that. He said, I'll tell you what, I even think the Eagles would trade up to get me. And I'm like, hey, are you supposed to say that? Or, and I kind of spilled the beans there on Twitter. I don't know what the Eagles are too happy about it, but they did trade up to get them. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm getting tired of Twitter right now saying, oh, Justin Fields could have got Justin Fields. I'm like, they were never getting Justin Fields. And right. that wasn't, Zach Wilson was really the only quarterback, at least to my knowledge, they were interested in. And they knew they couldn't get him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Devontae, I think Devontae is going to have a real, a, a real big year and that's going to be the key to Jalen hurts is to be able to find a guy, you know, every quarterback has, has a receiver that they really grow to rely on. And, and at least it seems as though maybe Jalen hurts has that guy in, in Devonta Smith. And we'll kind of see how that shakes out here during the course of the season. Any other roster moves that surprised you with the Eagles here as, as they uh, trimmed it down? I mean, I, I, I did want to ask, you know, you, you mentioned uh, the fact that there's, you know, some, wanting a veteran in the locker room. I hadn't seen if John Brown signed with anybody yet. Did, did he? He has not. Okay. So, I mean, that's a guy to me that I would potentially have some, some interest in. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know the reasons why he was cut necessarily, but here's a veteran guy who's got some speed. He's, he's played some good NFL football before. I, I'd take a flyer on that guy. So to my knowledge, John Brown asked for his release. He was battling for, they like Brian Edwards there, and uh, obviously Henry Ruggs is a starter. Hunter Renfro had a really good camp. So they were the starting three. And John Brown was pretty much brought in to kind of mentor Brian Edwards before he took over. Well, Edwards kind of outplayed him. So he Brown was playing for, like, the number four, number five wide receiver there, and he kind of won more playing time. And so he asked the Raiders, he goes, hey, look, guys, just, you know, if you cut me now, I'm okay with it. And they they did that, and they, they went with the younger group. So, yeah, but – I, I just did like the 11 big name free agents left and they weren't necessarily the 11 best. Cause obviously yeah. technically Larry Fitzgerald's still a free agent, Frank Horst still a free agent, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. you know, I don't think they're going anywhere really, but overall John Brown, like I basically said, expect him to sign before the season starts. Like I'd be shocked. It's he's clearly the best wide receiver available unless you really want to bring back Alshon Jeffrey or golden Tate and go that route. Yeah. I know you guys made some predictions for CBS. I, w- I want to get to them here in, in just a second, but any, any predictions about the Eagles this year that you have? I mean, I, I don't need, you don't need to go off the reservation with anything super bold or anything like that, but I if you want. <laughs> well, if you got something, yeah, give me, give me a, give me a bold prediction. Maybe the bold prediction that's either the boldest or the one you feel strongest about something, you know, whatever it is you, you feel moved to tell us. Well, I did best bets. Um, I was part of the best bet crew for C and I'm not a gambling man, mm-hmm. but there were two bets on there that I'm like, you know what? I would take a flyer on. I put five bucks on. And one of them was Baltimore win the Super Bowl at plus fourteen hundred. And this was I, they those odds probably went down now that uh, JJ yeah. Dobbins got hurt, but I still think they're gonna be a really good football team. I think they learned a lot last year, learned winning a playoff game on the road against a really good team like Tennessee. And mm. yeah, everybody gets on the mar for losing that game to Josh Allen. I'm like, did you guys actually think they were gonna beat the Buffalo Bills in the playoff game last year and in that cold weather? Because I certainly did not. And you know, I was in for a really good game and it was a really good game until Lamar finally threw a pick in the in the red zone. I know it was the first time he's ever done that. I don't think Josh Allen's ever done that yet. But overall, like Buffalo is just the better team. And 
I feel like the AFC is competitive enough. Baltimore can get out of that. But again, you got to get home field advantage to do that. I mean, yeah. it's definitely possible, but it's hard in the AFC North and their roads a little bit tougher than Kansas city's is to get home field advantage. So that's one. And I mean, I honestly, John, I wouldn't bet against, you know, the Arizona Cardinals win the NFC West. It's a wide open division and yeah. San Fran's going to be really good. Seattle's another one too. Like, you know, did we forget that Russell Wilson's still the quarterback of the Seahawks? And yeah, right. They're still really, they're a really good football team just because the Rams beat them in an empty, um, it's not Quest Field anymore, was it? Century Links Stadium. I have no idea the names of stadiums anymore. I used to know them all. I just, yeah, yeah. I, I've stopped trying. <laughs> in their house, pretty much, <laughs> in an empty house. So, yeah. again, like Seattle's going to be good. But overall, I would think of, I think of fire on the Arizona Cardinals win the NFC West. If there, there was a bet to make. I wouldn't doubt it if all four NFC West teams made the playoffs. I think they're all that good. Yeah, they all have the potential to be that good. There, there's no doubt about the fact it's the best division in in the NFL. But that's also another reason they might all beat up on each other. So it's a little bit, a little bit tricky in that in that in that scenario. And and you go from the NFC West, easily the best division in football, to the NFC East, which is it still the worst division in football? Still feels like the worst division in football. I I don't think that they're they've been able to get good enough during the offseason to overtake anybody else. The problem is there just isn't a dominant team in the NFC West. Like I, I think the NFC South is terrible, but Tampa Bay is really good. So that kind yeah. of cancels it out. I don't think the NFC North ain't good either, but they have the Green Bay Packers. So yeah. again, they would be a better division if, uh, you know, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace would get smart here and play Justin Fields opening week. But that that's not going to happen. I mean, the AFC East is loaded. Uh, Tony Romo told me that on Wednesday, you know, that that's going to be the, the next NFC West, if you will, while mm-hmm. the AFC North is really good. The NFC South is a bad division, but Tennessee's good. That's yeah. why the NFC East gets all the flack they get, like because they had an under 500 division champion. They could have another under 500 division champion this year, although I, I do think that's going to be hard to do. But again, it's, you know, Dallas has so many question marks. Washington has so many question marks, no matter how good their defense is. The Eagles were bad last year, and I think the Giants are the biggest frauds in that division. Like, yeah. I'm not sold on Daniel Jones. I'm not sold on that offensive line. So it could be another ugly year for the NFC East. Yeah, I think Daniel Jones gets exposed this year. That was one of the predictions I made on this podcast last week. Uh, I do think the Dallas Cowboys, they're in my mind, they're due. You know, I, I I just feel like that's a football team. They have not been they have not been to an NFC Championship game since the first term of the Clinton administration. I mean, it's, it's just, it's been a long time. And I think, you know, I know there's some concerns with Dak Prescott still, I I don't know exactly what his injury situation is, but I I think the defense there will be a little bit better. I think the offense remember just last year, we were looking at that Cowboys offense as maybe being one of the best offenses ever put together. So still some question marks now about how effective Zeke's going to be. And I, I do get that, you know, it's not, I'm not a Mike McCarthy guy, but I, I, you know, I live here in the Northern Virginia area. I know people are excited about the Washington football team. I just don't get the sense that Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting 17 NFL games for, for Washington this year. And so then you ask yourself, is Tyler Heineke, the guy that we saw in the postseason? is, is he the guy that can, that can, you know, win five, six games for them this year? If, if Fitzpatrick struggles or gets hurt or whatever. And yeah, the Eagles are lying in the weeds. I, I don't know how this division is going to go, but I do kind of feel like Dallas, in my opinion, has, a slight edge over Washington right now in, in this division, but I couldn't argue. I couldn't argue the other way. You know, there, there's a guy in Dallas that I think is going to make a huge difference for them. Everybody talked about Justin Jefferson's rookie year last year. CD lamb was really, he was really, really good. good. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he's just going to get better. I think he's going to be the breakout star of the league this year. 
You still got Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup's not going to be there after this year. He's going to be – he's going to get a lot of money in free agency. It's not going to be from Dallas. But if their offensive line can hold up and protect Dak, and if Dak can at least be mobile the first couple games of the year and they don't get off to a slow start, I think they'll be all right. But you said about the first play in the ministry. This is how long it's been since Dallas has been in the NFC Championship game. When they beat the Eagles to go in the NFC Championship game back in 90 – what, 95 – Randall yeah. Cunningham plays his last game in yeah. uniform. That's yeah. insane when you think about it. It's 25 yeah. years. Well, it was the game. Rodney Pete started that game. Remember, yeah. he got hurt. That was after the 58-37 Detroit wild card went over Detroit, which I was at, and it was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. It was Brown, baby. Happy yeah. Cheers. It was just amazing. It was just what a day. I, we couldn't believe it. I mean, the, the Carpenter Hail Mary at the end of the first half. I mean, that was that was a beautiful day. And, you know, when I think about the, the 2021 Eagles, I look back to that 95 Eagles team as a blueprint because that was Ray Rhodes' first year with the team. I know Chip Kelly took the Eagles to the playoffs in his first season too, but this feels more like a team that if the Eagles are able to do, to surprise people and win 10 games this year, win 11 games this year, something like Ray Rhodes, team did in 95 coming off a 94 season where the 94 team was not good under, under rich Kotite. They did it with defense. They did it with Ricky waters and, and, and Charlie Garner uh, in the backfield as well, but they did it with competent quarterback play from, from Rodney Pete and some, some good wide receiver play as well. So, I mean, to me, that's the blueprint is the defense. And we, we talk, we focus a lot on the Eagles offense. We focus a lot on Jalen hurts and the receivers. We don't talk at all about the Eagles defense and I don't have any sense for how good this defense is going to be the defensive line could be dominant they could be top five in sacks this year you know I I I certainly feel like you know there's there's some they got a little bit better in the secondary this offseason so they're not they're not as strapped there as I thought and the linebackers intrigue me a little bit I just don't know what Jonathan Gannon's going to do he's so highly regarded I feel like a defensive coordinator can really make up for a lot of shortcomings based on scheme what is your thought on the, on the Eagles defense coming, coming into 2021 and how good they can be? Well, I love this defensive line. I love the fact – I don't care if Fletcher Cox is 30 or not. He's still one of the best defensive tackles in football. If it wasn't for Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox would get a lot more love than what he gets. And Javon Hargrave was an absolute beast in camp. I think he's going to be the guy that's going to change everything on the interior of that defensive line. Milton Williams had a good – uh, training camp had a good preseason. They really seem to like him. Mm-hmm. I love the Ryan Kerrigan signing. It's an upgrade over Vinnie Curry. Their pass rush, I mean, they got 49 sacks last year, and they were sixth in the league in pressures. I feel like they're going to be top five in both, maybe even lead the league in sacks. Like Because I, I just love Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan. That's good. And like you said, the linebacker, they're very intriguing. And can I say they might actually be good? Like, uh, that's, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, like Alex Singleton, he's – he led the league in tackles or tied for the league league in tackles when he started in week six last year. Eric Wilson is a really good coverage linebacker. I feel like they haven't had that since Jordan Hicks has been here. And again, that, that name was very intriguing to me in the offseason. I actually thought he was going to get cut because he's not starting in Arizona. They're paying him a lot of money to kind of sit behind David Collins, but I digress there. <laughs> Secondary, I I love the Steven Nelson signing. They needed that. Yeah. They couldn't have yeah. Zach McPherson start week one. Yeah. That, that just was not a possibility for them. So, you put Avante Max in the slot. I'm a little curious to see when Rodney McClock comes back, but I do like Marcus Epps a, a lot. You know, like again, he's not a stud by any means, but he he's a solid third safety and he can start for you. And you know, you mentioned that 95 Eagles team. I've talked to Barrett Brooks. I talked to Mark McMillan McMillan about this. They said Ray Rhodes got the most out of their talent, and that's mm. what Nick Sirianni needs to do. And yeah, you know, they said they, you know, if you look at them talent wise, they weren't a good football team, but 
Ray Rhodes got every single ounce out of yeah. them. And they, they said, you know, they beat Dallas. And that, remember that week 15 game, the four for one game. And then yeah. play Chicago. Was it Chicago or Arizona they lost? They lost to one of those two teams at the end of the year. But like Rhodes kind of kept them afloat. And, you know, when they said they were so fired up when Lomas Brown made those comments, they're like, uh, you know, that, that was it. You know, that was, uh, that is still the greatest quarter of, of Eagles football I've ever seen that second quarter. And yeah. I, I remember I was talking to Rob Carpenter on Twitter the other week and he can't believe like people actually remember him. I'm like, of course they oh, remember. Of course you remember. We don't forget that stuff, man. Yeah, oh we my don't gosh. forget Hail Mary catches, Rob. We just Not don't. The playoffs. Nope. Yeah. Nope. The 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 litany of Eagles playoff uh, of uh, heroics is was short, especially up into '95 before the Andy Reid era began. Um, last thing for you here uh, before I let you go, Jeff. So I know you guys all made uh, Super Bowl picks. What's your Super Bowl matchup and who wins for this year? Well, I haven't done the matchup yet. Okay. I, okay. I got Kansas City winning. Um, I, right. I've still got to figure out who the NFC team's going to be. I kind of am leaning toward Green Bay, but it's hard not to go Kansas City and Tampa Bay and just go chalk again. I mean, they're the two best teams, but overall, like, is Tampa going to be the same team come December? You know, I had Seattle and Kansas City going to the Super Bowl last year with Kansas City winning it, and I, I thought I was looking pretty good there until that Rams game. So, but <laughs> Kansas City, it's. It's so, so hard to bet against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. It's, and I know I put Bruce Aarons and Tom Brady as my best quarterback coach to in football, but Reid and Mahomes, I mean, they're just an unstoppable force. And just everything you hear about them, and you know, that's that I uncovered this week with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey beating out Chris Carter and Randy Moss for the most receiving yards by a duo on the same team in three seasons in NFL history. It's just Mm. absolutely incredible and yeah you know everybody's worried about the Chiefs number two wide receiver I'm not personally I mean Travis Kelsey is basically their number two anyway I think Byron Pringle's gonna have a really good year for them their offensive line is loaded they're deep they're Steve Spangle is gonna have them as a top 10 defense this year I mean the AFC's tough like ball like Baltimore can go Buffalo can go Cleveland can go Tennessee can go but overall I just think Kansas City is going to do what Andy Reid teams do, win 13-plus games, get home field advantage, get that bye, and go to Super Bowl. And you know, I still think that first-round bye is so critical toward going to the Super Bowl now. And Oh, yeah. Green, Green Bay had Tampa Bay beat. They had Tampa Bay beat, and they just didn't get the job done. I have a feeling this time around if Aaron Rodgers isn't going to let that slip. Yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers' last hurrah on Green Bay, so you feel like you, there's a pretty good chance – He's going to be able to figure that out. I, I think I think the 49ers are, are a sneaky play in the NFC West. I think they're going to bounce back this year. Um, be very interesting to see how that quarterback situation shakes out in San Francisco. And over, over on the AFC side, the only thing I would say about the Chiefs, and this has been less the case in recent seasons, but it was very much the case before this, and it still pops up its ugly head, the loser of the Super Bowl curse. You know, there, there's a – it very often happens the loser of the Super Bowl doesn't make it back to the postseason the next year. And, you know, that's happened a couple of years in a row, but before that there was like an eight-year stretch where it didn't happen. So it's a little bit weird. It used to happen a lot. It went away – that stopped being a thing for a little while. Now in the last couple of years it's it's been a thing again. Um, but that's just – that's kind of just like a, you know – it's there's no real analytics to that. It's just a kind of a funny thing that happens to a lot of those Super Bowl losers. And to me, the the biggest uh, the biggest obstacle for the Chiefs, I think, is Cleveland. I I think Cleveland's roster is just amazing. Uh, and I think again, that's another franchise that just kind of feels like it's it's due for for a run here, and maybe not a Super Bowl run, but a run, a deep run. Well, I'm so tired of the Baker Mayfield slander. Like you know, ba- he's Baker good. Mayfield- 
throws for 3,500 yards this year. He joins Peyton Manning as the only quarterbacks ever in NFL history to do that in their first four seasons. Everybody goes, well, it's not that impressive. I'm like, well, let me tell you who hasn't done it. Like, yeah. a bunch of quarterbacks. And they're like, well, Mahomes with I'm like, well, Mahomes didn't play his rookie year, did he? So mm-hmm. it's hard to do, and you have to stay healthy. And Mayfield's done that. And then, you know, last year this time, we're wondering if Baker Mayfield was going to end up being a bust. Now he's not just a game manager. He's a really good quarterback. And I go on Cleveland Browns. I go on Browns Daily, the the Browns, like, uh, run their, their team-run website, and they love what I have to say about him. Like, just remember something. He's your quarterback. Don't worry about what the national media thinks of your quarterback. That I'm like, look at your history of quarterbacks. This is yeah. your guy. You are always going to stick up for the guy who actually won you a playoff game, and he can win you so much more. Like, this is just the beginning for your franchise. Yeah, there it's a loaded team, Baker Mayfield, and I, I'm just – at some point, the Odell Beckham Jr. connection, I feel like, is going to work out. I know they haven't been able to really get it to work yet, but I, I don't think Beckham's washed up, and it just feels like that's something that they'll get straightened out here. Well, folks, make sure you're reading everything Jeff Kerr is doing over at CBS Sports by following him on Twitter, at Jeff Kerr CBS, and make sure to check out his uh, interview with Jalen Hurts when it pops next week. Hey, Jeff, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. Have a good Labor Day, man. Yep, sounds great. Thanks, y'all. Uh- I got to say this, uh, go Penn State. They got a big game against Wisconsin this weekend. And folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Once again, don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com each and every day as we get you ready for the regular season. And also listen to all of the podcasts we have for you at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. We got some new stuff coming your way this year too. So make sure to check it all out. Go to follow us on Twitter also at BGN underscore radio so you can stay up to date on all of the different things we have going on for you here this season. Thanks everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you next time here on eye on the enemy B-G-N.